Well, good morning. Uh, if you're here with us in the Center for New Life and you're thinking you're going to be with me in person this morning, I was thinking I was going to be with you in person as well. Unfortunately, a young man on one of the basketball teams, one of uh, some of my boys play on, uh, recently tested positive for COVID-19. And although the likelihood uh, that I was um, in close contact with him in any way that was uh, uh, concerning is incredibly low, we thought just out of an abundance of ca uh, caution that I would share the word with you this morning remotely like this. So just think of it as not a particularly good television program, and uh, we'll move, work through this together. So as we get moving, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God? We're going to read together this week's gospel lesson from John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then verses 19 to 27. John 1, 6 through 8, and 19 and 27. I'm going to read it for us for simplicity's sake. This is what the Bible says. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And then dropping down to verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now, this past Tuesday, during our staff devotions, Pastor Matt shared out of this particular passage of Scripture, and he shared on the crucial need, the critical need to know who you are, to know your strengths, to know your weaknesses, and to come to grips with both of them. In the second part of this gospel reading, a group of priests and Levites are sent to question John the Baptist about who he is and what he's doing. And John was very upfront with them, initially particularly about who he was not. They were wondering if he might claim to be the Messiah. The Bible says, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. When they kept pressing him about his identity, he continued to refuse to claim to be anybody he was not. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So I want to remind you this morning what Pastor Matt reminded the staff this past Tuesday. You do not need to pretend, you should never pretend to be anyone or anything you are not. The truth is, you can't be anyone other than who you are, but you can be a better and better you. You should never pretend to be something that you're not, but you do need to grow in who and what you are. Listen, John the Baptist didn't say, because I'm not the Christ, it doesn't really matter what I do, or because I'm not the Christ, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. 
The truth is, John is an amazing example of someone who knew who he was. An amazing example of someone with a healthy self-image. He freely admitted he was none of those impressive guys the people were asking him about. Yet, when they continued to press him even further, he eventually answered them about his identity using the very words of Scripture themselves. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. What a great way to identify yourself. What if you began to identify yourself in the words of Scripture and you began to think of yourself as, I am one sent to get people ready for Jesus. I love John the Baptist. He was not remotely ashamed that he was not the Messiah. He wasn't bothered at all that he was not the prophet, the one prophesied by Moses. He didn't need to be any of those people because he was totally comfortable being who he was, being himself. And in that regard, I want you to notice two things about John's sense of self or his sense of identity right here. First, that it was grounded completely in the Word of God, grounded in the words of Scripture. And second, that it was centered and focused entirely on Jesus. Notice first that John's uh, sense of self was grounded in the Word of God. He replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. In other words, he took his sense of identity from what God had to say about him in the Bible. And second, it was wrapped up in Jesus. John says, in essence, I am here to point people to Jesus. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I am here to tell you, get ready for Jesus. John's sense of self, his sense of his own value, was rooted in something much stronger and much more stable than his own looks, his appearance, or his own job performance. His sense of self was rooted in what God said about him in the Bible and in the person of Jesus himself. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was honest, i got to tell you, I spent a tremendous amount of my life struggling with this sort of thing. A lot of my life, I know what it feels like. I remember what it feels like uh, to wish you were something that you're not. I remember what it feels like to be embarrassed by things that you don't have. I remember what it feels like to be embarrassed by things you've not accomplished or, or that you've not done that you thought you should. I remember what it feels like, the powerful sense of insecurity. I remember the incredible temptation to, to, to lie. I remember the temptation to, to twist the truth or to stretch the truth or sometimes to completely replace the truth with something that would make me seem better or more impressive or sound uh, more awesome than I really was. I remember what it's like to be way too quick to be defensive, to be way too quick to take credit and way too slow to give credit. I look here at the Bible, those leaders coming down from Jerusalem to grill John the Baptist, and I remember what it feels like to have someone ask you about who you are and what you're doing and not have your identity firmly grounded in the Word of God and in the person of Jesus. And it's not fun. I watch athletes sometimes, middle school athletes and high school athletes in particular, because I have children still participating in that age level. And, and so often at that level, the quality of the athlete's performance is tied more to their confidence and their sense of self than it is to their actual skill set. 
Kids who are worried about what other people are thinking about them, who are worried about messing up and, and, and somebody making fun of them, uh, kids with a shaky sort of sense of self, even when they're really pretty good athletes, guys with that shaky sense of self are often outplayed by less skilled, less athletic kids with a stronger sense of who they are. God does not want you ashamed of what you're not. And he does want you to give yourself fully to what you are. And part of that means you need to understand up front, you're not God, which means fundamentally you're not in control. This is another area where I still sometimes struggle. I have a hard time when I don't know what to do. When I encounter someone who's having a hard time, when I encounter someone who's hurting or, or they're distraught or they're upset, and I, if, I, if I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I don't know how, what to help them, that really, really uh, stresses me out. And, and from time to time, I have to stop and I have to remember, I'm not God, I'm not in control. But I do also need to remember that God loves them and God loves me. And we can walk together with him even when we don't have all the answers, even when we don't know what to do. I want so badly for you, I want so badly for me to have this John the Baptist sort of sense of self, grounded in the Word of God, grounded in the person of Jesus. And by the way, I hope you understand that just like John the Baptist, you've been called to point people to Jesus. You've been called to be forgiven and saved and changed by Jesus, and then to go live your life pointing people to him sharing the goodness of God in Jesus, sharing the love of God in Jesus, uh, showing people what he has done for you. If you look again at the first part of this week's gospel reading, speaking of John the Baptist, it says this, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. It's really kind of ironic, I think, that John's sense of self was so incredibly healthy because it was not focused at all on himself. It wasn't wrapped up in himself. John understood himself as being here fundamentally to serve someone other than himself. He understood correctly that his purpose in life was to love God and love people. His purpose was not to promote his own happiness. His purpose was to promote Jesus, to love God, to love people, to serve God and bless people, to glorify Jesus and share him with people. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Like John, you too are someone who has been sent by God to be a witness for Jesus. It's not your job to save anybody, but it is your job to point them to the Savior. And that brings me to my second far more important point this morning. If you're keeping score or taking notes, my first point is you need to know yourself. You need to know who you are. You need to know who you're not. And my second point is as someone who exists to point people to Jesus, you need to know who he is. When John was talking to those Jewish leaders who'd come to question him, at one point he said this. He said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. 
He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And please do not miss this. John said, among you, right here in your midst, right under your very nose, where you really, really ought not miss it, among you stands one you do not know. And not just anyone. We're talking here about the one, the one infinitely greater than everyone else. The one John said, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie his shoes. The real one the Jews were asking about. John says, no, I am not the Messiah. No, I am not the Christ. But he is here. The problem is, you don't know him. Oh, you might know his name. You might recognize his face. But you don't really know him. And John said, that is a serious problem. Among you stands one you do not know. I find those words deeply haunting. And they move me, they push me to do my level best to make sure I really know him as he really truly is. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I've been thinking about Jesus a lot lately. I want to know Jesus as really is, as the Bible reveals him to be, not just as I think he is, because I fear sometimes we have the wrong impression of who Jesus is. I want to know Jesus, and I want to know him like he really is. Now listen, it's obvious that people who are not yet Christians don't know Jesus. To know Jesus is to love him. If you know him for who he is, if you know who he is, if you know what he's like, you will rush to surrender your life to him. So people who aren't yet Christians obviously don't really know Jesus. My concern this morning, is more about Christians out there, people who've been in church for years and years and years and years, they've been baptized, maybe even been baptized in the Holy Spirit, yet in spite of all that, the truth is you can look them in the eye and say with all integrity, among you stands one you do not know. The Jesus they tend to talk about, the Jesus they try to follow, often is nothing more than a caricature of the real thing. An idol they concocted in their own image. The Jesus they imagined, for example, never really calls them out on any of their stuff. Mostly, I suspect, because he's exactly like them. He never challenges their politics. He never calls them out on their language. He never rebukes them when they get angry. Because the Jesus they imagine, quite frankly, is angry about all the same things they are. If they're liberal, then he's angry with Trump just like they are. If they're conservative, then he's angry about mask mandates just like they are. Amazingly, the Jesus they imagine never rebukes them for their bad attitudes because conveniently, somehow, he has all the same bad attitudes. Isn't that fascinating? But it's my sacred duty this morning to stand here and remind you that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is really not that much like you. And sometimes I fear he's not that much like you imagine him to be. One of my microgroups, we're working our way through the Gospel of Mark, trying to look at Jesus, to see Jesus as he really is, to see him as he's revealed in the Bible. And this past week when we were meeting, we got to the point of Mark's gospel where it uh, gives the account of, of King Herod having John the Baptist beheaded. It was, it was a horrible, ridiculous, petty thing, and it really upset a couple of the guys in the group. They found the whole thing disturbing. 
They were asking, where were the delivering angels? Why didn't God intervene? Why didn't Jesus save John the Baptist? They were genuinely frustrated by it all. Why in the world would the Lord allow one of his servants to be so ridiculously mistreated? And so we stopped. And I pointed them to Jesus as he really is. And I urged them to look at Jesus more closely. I reminded them that we serve the God who suffers. The God who chose to save this world by becoming a man and suffering for it. The God who laid down his own life in order to redeem his wayward creation. I want to know him, and I want to know him as he really is. Speaking of the desire to know the Lord, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 3. I want to know Christ, amen? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, amen? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Amen? Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Jesus. But I want to know him like he really is. And I want the same for you. I don't want to know some cheap caricature, some skewed version of Jesus that's been corrupted by the American dream. I want to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want to know him in his power. And I want to be ready to know him in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He has all authority and all power, and yet he so often chooses to conquer. He so often chooses to triumph through weakness and humility. He is the God who suffers and who calls his people to join him in that. Yes, he's the God who heals. Yes, he's the God who delivers. Yes, he's the Lord of hosts, the, the king and commander of all the armies in heaven. He's the God who sent his angel to bust Peter out of prison. And he's the God who let John the Baptist and the Apostle James be beheaded in prison for their witness to the truth. He's the Lord who forgave the woman caught in the act of adultery. And he's the Lord who said when he comes back, he's going to consign all the wicked to an eternity in hell. Fire created for the devil and his angels. I want to know him as he really is, not as I imagine him to be. John the Baptist said, among you stands one you do not know. I pray that's not the case for us. May we commit to know him better, that we might represent him better, and that we might serve him better all the days of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. We thank you for sending Jesus to show us who you are and what you're like and who we are and what we are supposed to be like. 
Forgive us for so often uh, twisting your image and his image and following something we've created in our own image. Help us to know you as you really are. Help us to become more like you and to represent you well in this world. In Jesus' name, amen, hallelujah, and amen. God bless you.